Upon a ten-string harp, I will play to you who gives victory to kings, who rescues David his servant from the cruel sword. Rescue me and deliver me from the hand of foreigners, whose mouths speak lies, whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown, our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. May our granaries be full, providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our fields. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. May there be no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. Amen? That's our God. Why don't we all stand? We'll get ready to worship. And the God that we're worshiping is that God. God of blessing. God of provision. God of protection. And as we lift up His name, as we worship Him, He's worthy to be praised. Amen? Father, we come before You this morning. We humble ourselves. We don't come here with the answers. We come here with the knowing who has the answers. Your God. Your Lord. You're the one who deserves and should receive all praise and honor. This morning, Father, as we worship You in spirit and truth, I thank You that, that the name of Jesus be lifted up and all men drawn unto You. Thank You for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Lord, nothing compares to you. Nothing compares to your majesty. Nothing compares to your glory. Nothing compares to your faithfulness. Nothing compares to your mercy. Nothing compares to your love. Nothing compares to your purpose and your plans and your pursuits. Nothing compares to you. Father, everything else must use you as the standard for good. You are good. And yet, Your Word says that your, your thoughts towards us are good. Your plans and Your actions towards us and for us and through us are good. Father, help us to see that. Help us to see You. 
Help us to seek you in the midst of all the things that we go through. That we seek you, that we look for you. The good in our life. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. going to uh, receive the offering at the end of the service, ushers, so just so you know, and don't wait, don't sit and wait for me to uh, to do that. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. It's where we started the year out during the week devoted to God. And at different times, we will... Uh, We'll keep coming back to it as the Lord leads, as the Holy Spirit leads, but just this morning I feel it's the place where we need to start. Revelation chapter 12, beginning with verse 10, and going through verse 12, says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, but woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. We've been looking at those verses beginning at the first week, the week devoted to God, and we've been kind of picking through them, not picking like picking out, but working our way through them. And uh, the last few weeks... I've been uh, uh, speaking quite a bit about the part that said they don't, didn't even love their life even unto death. 
Now, I know many people have been praying that some at some point in time here I'll get off of that. Because that's a hard subject, a hard topic to, to dwell on. Nobody likes to dwell on death. Nobody likes to dwell on the, the verses that talk about suffering. And many times in the Word, the, the Bible says, the, somebody had said, be of good cheer. So this morning I want to start out by saying, be of good cheer. We'll get slightly off the death topic, dying to ourselves. And as uh, somebody said to me last, last week, they said, you know, there is the other half of that verse that talks about, and it's Christ who lives through us. Yes, absolutely. And we'll, we'll spend a lot of time there today. But in this, in this idea, in this topic of dying to ourself, the Holy Spirit told me very specifically not to give any wiggle room. Now that's not easy. That's not the kind of thing you want, you know, that it's not when I wake up on, on any given morning and I hear the Holy Spirit saying things like that, I go, yeah, I can really put the screws to everybody this week. Because I guarantee you that whatever I preach, I deal with ten times more. And I have to walk through ten times more. And uh, this uh, last month, this the January, this first month of 2016, for me, has been a uh, flesh bloodbath. Uh, God dealing with me about certain things that I don't want to do. Certain things that I've even said I don't want to do them. Certain things that I don't relish doing. And one of them is teaching on this topic of dying to yourself. I'm really a happy guy, for the most part, for those of you who know me. I'm really a hopeful person. And the idea of looking at at the uh, at this topic and teaching it every single week for the last four is uh, is not my part where I go oh, yes, but it's in that that and the other areas the Lord's been dealing with me on is where growth happens. It's where real growth happens. Jesus said because they were they were uh, telling him, oh, you're not going to die, you're not going to go to Jerusalem and die. And he says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies. It must die before it can germinate and grow into a wheat stalk where hundreds of pieces of grain are. Unless we die to ourselves, unless I die to myself, unless you die to yourself, the real growth in your life can't happen. And what do we mean by dying to ourselves? It means listening for the Holy Spirit. And when He leads you to do something, many times it's not what you want to do. Many times it isn't necessarily for your benefit. It's seemingly. But ultimately, it is God's benefit. Ultimately, it's the kingdom's benefit. And when the kingdom benefits, when God benefits, you benefit. You grow. We grow in ways that we couldn't grow being selfish. We grow in ways that couldn't happen unless we got ourselves out of the way. Now in retrospect, I can look back over the last 30 years, in all those areas that I gave up, that seemed so hard at the time, the, the things that I, I, you know, I said, okay Lord, it's yours, I give you the, the, the leadership in that, I let you be Lord of my life in that area. In those areas, every one that I've given up, I've grown in. I've grown in. Others have grown. 
I mean, I can you know just start naming a ton of them. One of them is, I laughed at the person who prophesied over me one day and said I was going to be a pastor. We were riding in a van, driving across Jamaica, and, and this 80-plus-year-old 80, 80 lady who through the whole week had just shown, had just taken down uh, all of my preconceived ideas of Christianity, all my pre- she was just so awesome, so humble. I started the week out seeing she was a part of this trip, and my first thought was, oh great. I'm going to be hauling her bag up and down stairs. She's going to get all the best seats in the van. Oh great, we'll be waiting for her at every stop. I was young and dumb. And I learned over that week, you know, and then I thought, well, how spiritual can an 85-year-old grandmother be? Come on. She has no title in front of her. And that whole week, the Holy Spirit systematically, day after day, knocked down those strongholds, those preconceived ideas. So by the end of the week, man, I just wanted to hear, I just wanted to talk to her, just wanted to be around her. Just wanted to listen to her. And, and you would think by that time, because we were driving back to the airport, you would think that by that time I would have just you know, hung on every word. But she said, you know, she said, John, she goes, I, I've been praying for you this week. And I was like, yeah, I needed it. And she said, the Lord spoke to me and said that you're going to be a pastor. I laughed. I did, I laughed. Because that was the furthest, I did not want to. Be. I'd do anything but be that. I laughed at her. She said, well, you can laugh, but she said, one day when God's preparing you to be a pastor, he, she said, you're going to be uh, going to school in the morning, and you're going to be working in the afternoon, and God's going to be preparing you to be a pastor. Well, okay, old lady, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being honest. It's the way I was, young and dumb. And it was a number of years later, it was probably six years later, five or six years later, I'm driving to Menominee to go to college, and, and see, there she was wrong, obviously, because I was going to stout. For, yeah, yeah, chuckle away, go right ahead. Everybody laughs, at stout, stout, the easy way out. That's the, that was one of the phrases, camp stout was one of the names. I know. And I thought, yeah, see, she, see how wrong she was? Cause, because I'm, I'm not going to Bible school. I'm not being prepared to be a pastor. Of course she was wrong. Well, the funny thing was about that day as I'm driving over, it was the day after Pastor Dan Dennis had called me in into his office and said, hey, I'd like to hire you as my youth pastor. And I'm reeling by that, that, that whole thing because I knew it was God. I knew it was... What, what, what we were supposed to do. And the funny thing is, as I was driving to school in the morning, and that afternoon I had to be back to Hudson and to work, so I was going to school in the morning and working in the afternoon as God prepared me. But the very things that, you didn't, that I didn't want to do and to be came true. So here I am. And there's just so many more. So many areas where I just... It's not what I wanted. It's what, it's what He wanted. And in the midst of doing what He wanted, the more I yielded myself, the more I, I humbled myself, 
the more he receives glory. Praise God. And that doesn't stop when you're 24, 25, 30. I was 29 at the time when that happened. I'm slightly older than that now. Doesn't stop when we get older, does it, Warren? We're all in this together. And there's things that the Holy Spirit has put in my heart for me, partially, but for us and for this this church moving forward that I look at them and I go, you know, I just... If I had my brother... Lord, if you asked me how to do it, I I wouldn't do it this way. And he just, you know, like the Bible says in Psalms, he sits in the heavens and laughs. Praise God, he gets to be God. Amen? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God, he gets to be God. Amen. That's a little bit better. Turn with me to Luke. Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 40. So in all reality, we're going to take a little small repeat reprieve from talking about dying to ourselves just till the end of the service. Then we'll go back into it again for a moment. But I want to talk about the word of our testimony this morning. Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed Him. Where did He return from? Putting it into context. Where he returned from was uh, the, the Gadarenes, or, or uh, what was the other word that another one of the gospel used, where the, where the demoniac was. Uh, Gadarenes was one of the name. Gennesaret, yeah, Gennesaret was the other name for it. He had, he had come out of the wilderness. He had started to preach. People, and he had started to pray for people, and they started getting healed. Uh, people started knowing, noticing him, understanding him. John had been killed. This was right after John. So John had been killed, and he was, and he was trying to get away and get some time to himself, and the crowds wouldn't let him. The crowds wouldn't let him rest. The crowds kept pushing in. Because he was doing miracles, because things were happening in his ministry, people started coming. People started showing up. And when people started showing up, they didn't, I mean, they said, hey man, if all I have to do is have him pray for me and I'm going to be healed or, or my wife's going to be healed or my son or my whomever, you know, I, our problems can be solved. And so people started thronging to him. People came from all over the place. And Jesus tries, hears about John, that John was killed in prison and he tries to get away by himself and the crowds won't let him. So they keep pressing in. Think about the time when a dear loved one uh, has passed away. The last thing you want to do is get into a bunch of people who need something, who want something, who apparently don't care that your cousin just passed away. I mean, we make it real here. This was real. Jesus had real feelings. Jesus had real uh, emotions. Jesus was dealing with stuff that was real. So they're pressing in, and they're pressing in so much that there and there's thousands of them. We're not talking 15, 20 people who are annoying. It's bad enough when 10 or 15 people are annoying. But now you've got tens, maybe even tens of thousands of people. You know, because he fed the 5,000. During the middle of that, they're out in the middle of nowhere, and a miracle. He has to perform a miracle to feed them. And it says there were 5,000 men. And I've used this example before. 
if there's 5,000 men, there's usually a bunch of women there too. It's just natural. And what else is natural is if you have men and women together, there's probably some children. There could be anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000, maybe even more, people that are pushing in, trying to get a piece of Jesus, wanting some of what He has. And in the middle of that, his, his cousin dies. His, this guy who, who uh, baptized him and started the whole thing dies. And they don't even take a breath. They don't let him take a breath. He has to keep ministering. The only way that he gets any kind of respite is he gets in a, in a boat and he heads across the river. Lake. Sea. Body of water. Yes, thank you. And he gets across the river, or here, now I'm stuck on a river. He gets across the body of water, and what does he get? A demoniac. I mean, when things are bad, then, then, then things get worse. Demoniac. What's a demoniac? Somebody who has a demon. He doesn't have one demon, he has many demons. The guy's a freak. He's running around naked, cutting himself, screaming, breaking chains. Okay? Freak. The epitome of freak. And what does Jesus do? He helps him. And you would think people would be happy about that. Now the demoniac was. The demon-possessed person was very happy. But the people of the town said, Get out of here. Leave us alone. Why would they do that? Why would they kick out the guy who just set this freak, the person they've had to deal with, I mean, somebody put him in chains and tied him out in a cave somewhere. To keep them away. It's the townspeople. And now they're telling Jesus to go away. Why is that? Sometimes when people get around the anointing, they can't stand it. They can't, they can't deal with the fact that God is real. And that God still moves today. So he heals that guy, or you know, he delivers that guy. Everybody kicks him out. He gets back in the boat. He comes back across the water. He, the, the boat comes up to shore. Guess who's waiting for him? Thousands of people. Here's where we come. This is the, where this verse takes off. Is at that place. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed Him. Welcome back, Jesus. For they were all waiting for Him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Jesus agreed to go with him. If you want to read the Mark version of it, go to Mark, and it tells, talks a little bit more about the discussion. But he decides to go with him. As Jesus went, the people pressed around Him. Jesus is walking along. Thousands of people want what He has. Thousands of people want to be noticed. Thousands of people need Him. Talk about dying to yourself. I mean, Jesus could have moved to Egypt. Jesus could have moved to Syria. He could have... He could have just hopped on the next camel out of town and went and hid. He could have just said, you know, my life is my own. And I just, I don't want to be 
woken up all hours of the night, and I don't want to be be pushed and prodded, and 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 I, I just don't want that. I don't need that in my life. I just want to work a nine to five job. I just want to make some money. I just want to get my retirement set up, and then I want to get that cabin on the lake of Galilee. Get a little fishing in on the weekends. Come on. This can't possibly be God's plan for my life is to wake up every day and have thousands of people wanting me. Really wanting God in me. It's part of counting the cost. It's part of counting the cost. If you have the answer, your life will change. If you have the answer, people will want that answer and they'll do whatever they have to do to get that answer. And your life will change. Your life will change. If you have the answer. How many of you have the answer? Two of you have the answer. Good. This really wasn't a hypothetical question. How many of you have the answer? We all have the answer. If you're born again, you got the answer. Well, I don't have the answer because my life stinks. You just, you don't understand. You don't understand the rotten things that are happening in my life. You don't understand the, the problems I'm going through. You don't understand. I know. I know Jesus could have felt the exact same way his cousin just died. Really, Jesus, if you're the miracle worker that you are, you couldn't have got John out of prison? Really? You think maybe Satan might have been accusing him? Oh, if you were really the Son of God. If you were really anointed... Somebody, the Pharisees could be sitting back going, see right there, that just proves that he's not the Son of God. He's not anointed. He's not the great prophet. Because, look, if he was really the Messiah, would he have allowed his cousin to be killed, beheaded in prison? It really doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't really matter what you think. You can disqualify yourself. Every morning I wake up, I can disqualify myself from walking up here and standing in this place. Every day. I can give you every reason why I don't belong here. And trust me, I've gone through a number of them. And every time I do, the Holy Spirit says, it is no longer you who live, it's I who live through you. So get back up there. How many times I've said, come on, God, there's got to be a better person who can do this. Really. No, I'm not kidding. I'm not just being humble here. I'm being brutally honest. There's got to be 50 people better than this. Smarter. Way better looking. <laughs> Thank you for that one amen. <laughs> And it didn't come from my wife. Hello. She was thinking it, I know. 
But we all can disqualify ourselves, can't we? And we do. That's the problem. The problem is we disqualify ourselves. We say, well, I, there's all these things against me. I'm this, I'm that, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too this, I'm not, I'm not educated enough, or I'm too educated, and I don't, I'm not going to waste my time doing that. We can throw every reason why we are not the one to pray for the person who needs prayer when the Holy Spirit is saying, go pray for that person. Lay hands on them. Tell them about me and tell them that God, that I can heal and we're encouraged to do it by the Holy Spirit, and we know it. We can, we can tell it's time. This is the moment. And we don't do it because of all the reasons. And, and the biggest one is it's our own pride that says, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen when I pray for that person and they don't get healed? What is that going to, where is that going to put me? That is pride. Bottom line, Straight out, it's pride. Why? Because I've dealt with it over and over and over. What if I say this and it doesn't happen? What if as a leader, as a pastor, I head in this direction and it doesn't happen? What if I declare God's telling me we're going in this direction, we're going we're to uh, uh, do this, we're going to head here, we're gonna do, and it doesn't happen? What does that look like to me? You know, God, you know, find somebody else to do this. And the whole time, the accuser of the brothers in your ear going, you're not the one. You're not the one. That's just your own idea. Jesus went and the people pressed around Him. Verse 43. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind Him and touched the fringe of His garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who is it? Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. Stop. Think about that for a second. Here's this woman whose who's, her whole life has gone to everybody to get healed. Everybody for her, her body to, to come in line. She's desired it with everything she is. She spent all of her money. She finally hears about Jesus and she goes and she's like, I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. We've talked about that before. It was wrong for her to be in a crowd of people. The law of Moses said that if, if this woman should live outside the camp and not have any contact with human beings until this stops. She wasn't supposed to be anywhere near people let alone in the middle of thousands, in a crowd of people. She wasn't supposed to be there. It was against the law. She was breaking the law. But all she cared about was, I heard He's from God. And he didn't, she didn't go up and say, hey, can you pray for me? She didn't walk up and take His hand and put it on her head. 
She said, all i got to do is touch the fringe of his garment. That's all the faith she had. All The only faith she had was, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. And if nothing happens, nobody's going to know the difference. That's not much faith. That is so little faith that it gives you every reason to not... I mean, just go up, nothing happened, never mind. So we're not talking bucket loads of faith here. We're not talking having your faith, oh, I'm ready, I know that I'm going to be healed. No, no, it's like, you know, I don't have anything else to do. You know what, God, I'm going to try to touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, instantaneously she was healed. That's all it takes, is a belief that God really is the God of his word. That he, Like we talked about in, in Psalm when we started the service, that he's a God who, who's got your good intentions in mind. His plan for you is good. His purpose and his, his desires towards you every morning is for good. That's what he wants for you. And he's just looking for people to go, I need a piece of that. He's looking for people who are just desperate enough to say, okay, let's try it. Some of the coolest miracles that I've ever seen God do through me. I mean, I'm not talking, it wasn't me, it was the anointing through me. Most of the time I didn't want to do it. It was very awkward and embarrassing. And I went, okay, what the heck? That was my attitude. Okay, I'm going to do it. I was not sure it was going to happen. I was just like, okay, here we go. Can I pray for you? Yes. Deb's grandmother had, was bleeding internally. I don't remember exactly, it doesn't matter, we're not going to get the idea. She was bleeding, female, bleeding internally. And the day we were there, we had gone to, to see her, she had been in bed all day. She was in her room, locked in her room. I mean, you know, not locked, but she, <laughs> she was in her room. And all the uncles were there. All of Deb's uncles were there, and everybody was sitting around talking and and they're, they're saying, yeah, she's not doing well. And she was older. She wasn't really old. She was very, you know, quite a young woman at that time, probably in her mid-70s mid or 80s. The doctor had said, yeah, we can't do anything about it. We, we, don't, we can't stop this. She was very weak. All day long we were there. She was in the bedroom the whole time. Towards the end of the afternoon, she, she came out. As soon as she walked in the room, the Holy Spirit said, pray for her. Well, her, Deb's family... Much like my family, not, not every one of them believes in miracles. And I'm thinking, pray for her. I'll pray for her. Lord, just bless her right now. Touch her body, Lord. Heal her, in Jesus' name. He said, no, go, go lay hands on her. Declare the healing of God over her. Pray for her that she, her body will be restored right here in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, that's great. Wonderful. <laughs> Okie dokie. So I just did. I thought, what the heck? It wasn't, oh, I have the word of the Lord. 
I was thinking in my head, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? I, every thought you've ever had, I was having it. What are they going to think? I like these guys. I mean, you know, they're kind of like, they're her uncles. They're cool guys. I like hanging out with them. I don't, I don't want them to think I'm weird. They don't do that stuff in their church. And I have to do this in, their, in the kitchen. Great. So my thought was, my, my, my thought of, of faith was, okay, what the heck. I said, can I pray for you? And she said, yes. Walked over and said, thank you, Father. I don't remember all the words I said, but it was, it was out in the open. It was loud. It was, in the name of Jesus, I command healing to come to your body. And the great man of faith I was, I said, you know, after we got done praying, I said, do you feel any better? She goes, no. <laughs> great. Thank you. You know, you, at just once, I'd like to see it instantaneous. Right there, boom, you know. We went home that day, all night long. What an idiot, what an idiot, what an idiot. They're going to think you're crazy. They're going to think you're nuts. Oh my gosh. The next day, no word. Don't hear anything. Yeah, whatever. I'm just that guy. You know, I'm, just that, I'm just that nephew or that guy married to my niece. The crazy one. Who went to stout. Exactly. <laughs> what does he know? He didn't go to a seminary. Middle of that week, we get a phone call. Grandma had gone to the doctor, and the doctor came back and said, what did you do? She said, what do you mean? She, he goes, it's gone. All of the polyps, all of the lesions, everything internally, they did one of the scope things. He says, it's all gone. It's not only gone, he says, there's no scars. They're gone. The uncles called Deb's mom and said, wow, that was a miracle. But I, at that moment, I had to die to myself, didn't I? I mean, we all do. When, we, when, when God puts that in front of us, we have to die to ourselves and say, you know, it's your deal, God. We have to believe that miracles still happen today. And we are a church that believes that miracles still happen today. We are, we are a church that believes that miracles happen today. And it happens through regular people. Regular boring people like you and I. Boring on the outside, but the Spirit of God living inside of us, that's the difference. You have the answer. Jesus asks, who touched me? When all denied it. When all denied it. So in that moment of faith, when she's healed, she knows she's healed, did she speak up and say, oh, it was me? No, they all denied it. Master, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. When, and when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. Read that again. She came trembling and falling down before him, declared 
in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. What did she do? She gave a testimony. She gave a testimony. Here's what God just did for me. Here's what was happening in me, and here's what just happened in me. She declared it publicly. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb is the power. That's because of what he did on the cross, the stripes on his body, his death, his, the blood that he shed. It's because of that the miracles happen. But it's also by the word of their testimony. Yesterday I was, I was talking with uh, Dan and Marta Lewis. Um, they were up here for the week devoted to God. Since they've been gone, they went to a, a conference. And in this conference, they said the whole thing, interestingly enough, was about that miracles are happening today and that it's important that we talk about it, that we give testimony of it. And, I, and as they were talking about that, I, I, I said, hey, can I tell you something really cool? I said, I just heard uh, from, uh, from somebody that there have been miracles happening in our, in our services. There's been some miracles happening in our services, and it's not been up front. It's not been when somebody laid hands on them. It wasn't when somebody called them up front. But that there's been miracles happening in our service, things that have been happening, and... I'm just finding out about it. This isn't a scolding, just in case you're wondering. It's not a scolding. I was like, I'm excited. Just through the, pe- the preaching of the Word. And it wouldn't matter who was up here preaching. It's just through the Word. It's the preaching of the Word. He confirms the Word. God, the, the Bible says God confirms the world, world, Word, with signs and wonders following. When the Word is preached, when we by faith step out and we speak the truth, even though we don't necessarily want to, when we do it, the power is there to touch people's lives. And I've been finding out that some of you have been getting healed. Or God has been doing things in the middle of the service. And I only heard about it by accident. I'm okay with that. It doesn't matter. What happened next was the coolest part. She said, Marta goes, oh, Pastor John. She goes, that's amazing because what they said in this conference was, get ready that in the middle of when the word is being preached, people are going to start getting healed. It's not going to be because we lay hands on it. And we could be. We can do that too when the Holy Spirit leads us to do that. But that there is an expectation that when the word is preached, it's not about me. Anybody could get up here and preach. And as long as they're preaching the word under the anointing, the anointing is there to heal. Jesus was walking. He was just walking to go do something else, and somebody perceived, I can receive my healing right now, right here. Some of you have been perceiving that you could receive your healing right here and right now, and not wait. One of my favorite testimonies that I ever heard from a big name, I don't know the, I don't know the person it happened to, but, but Kenneth Hagin said he was preaching one night. He was preaching on faith. And all of a sudden, way back in the back row, a guy stands up, walks over, 
touches the post, touches this post in the middle of the building, walks back and sits down in his seat. And that's it. That's all that happened in the service. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you need to talk to him after the service. Make sure you touch base with him because you're going to hear something really cool. So Kenneth Hagin finished out the service, did what he was supposed to do. At the end of the service, he went and found that guy and said, hey, I need to ask you a question. I saw in the middle of the service that you stood up, walked across the room, touched the post, went back to your seat and sat down. Why did you do that? And the man got a big smile on his face and he says, I've been dealing with this illness. I don't remember what the illness was. I've been dealing with this illness for years and years and years. And while you were preaching, the Holy Spirit said, if you stand up, walk over, touch that post and sit down, you're going to be healed. And Kenneth said, well, what happened? He goes, I was. (laughs) Now, why that? Because God doesn't want to make a form out of this. It's not the form, it's the Word. When we're bold enough to preach the Word, when we're bold enough to say, say what God's put in our heart, the anointing is there to break yokes of bondage. The anointing is here right now to break yokes of bondage. The anointing is already here. We don't have to go looking for it. And it's not because I'm anything great. It's because the Word is great. The Word is powerful. The Word is anointed. And in that Word is freedom. In that Word. And it doesn't matter who's preaching it. Because remember, you know, they asked Jesus, hey, those guys over there are, are healing people in your name. Should we go stop them? He said, why would you want to do that? Well, they're not us. Well, who cares who it is? If the gospel's being preached, if the name of Jesus is being lifted up and people's lives are being changed because of it, who cares? Pride says I care. I don't care. I want to hear every single week somebody come back and say, you know, the Holy Spirit led me to share my testimony about what got in the break room at work in front of everybody. And all of a sudden, this person goes, I want that. They lay hands on him, boom, done, healed. That's what, that's, to me, that is the epitome of, of effectiveness and, and, and winning. I can't think of the right word, which is not surprising to me. Victory, not victory. Success. That's the epitome of success is, in, is when all of us are doing it. When all of us are walking in that victory. Does that mean you won't struggle? No. In the midst of this, my wife falls down and breaks her elbow. And is it, was it her lack of faith or her husband's? Was it, was it her sin or was it her husband's? Or one of the children? No. It's because we live in a fallen world where snow happens. I am positive the snow, ice, is the curse. Except in your soft drink. That's a perfect place for ice. But anywhere else, it's the curse, people. We live in a fallen world where stuff happens. We fall down. We get old. We hang around with people that are sick. And we pick up bugs. But many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. 
yeah, we live here. That does not, does not mean we are subject to its laws. We are above that. We are supernatural beings. Being in the kingdom of God, being in His family makes us supernatural beings who can walk in the power of God and experience the anointing in our lives. When? When. Because it's happening. As it happens. As it happens more and more. That's His plan. It's going to happen more and more. As more and more of us step over and go, you know what, it's not my life. No longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. As we walk in that, more and more people are going to get healed, delivered, set free, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, walking in the power of God. The, the kingdom is going to expand. It's going to continue to expand. It's already expanding, but it's going to continue, and I believe at an exponential rate. And as the kingdom continues to expand, the purpose and plan that God put us, us, River Valley Christian Church, here to reach this valley, the valley from, from Solon Springs, Wisconsin, to Prescott, Wisconsin, the whole valley in 100 miles in both directions, to influence this area for the kingdom of God, as we do that, more will be added onto us and more will come here to learn how it works. More are going to be coming to go, hey, we need a piece of this up there, and we need a piece of it over here, and we need it in Menominee, and we need it in St. Cloud, and we, how, how are you guys walking in this? And you guys are going to be able to say, all we had to do was this. There'll be classes, our Wednesday night classes are going to be, are going to continue to grow because people are going to need to know, be trained in how to walk in the, in the, in the plan and purpose of God. And walking in the plan and purpose of God, yes, is laying hands on the sick and seeing them healed instantaneously. But it's also raising families that are whole and healthy and, 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 and godly. It's also classes on finances. So that as the power of God is flowing through us and we're walking down this path and we're seeing all this happen, that financially we're not destitute. The classes are going to be teaching all of us how to raise our understanding of who God is and how He's working in our lives, growing it daily. These classes are going to continue to expand. Wednesday nights, not this last week, but the two prior to that, we had 110, 110 plus and 110 even more plus. That's very statistically accurate. Sorry for anybody with numbers backgrounds. That's not my job. I don't understand. There was a bunch of people here. And something that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about for about a year is we need to add on. We need to grow uh, the, the physical space in this building to be able to reach more people. Now, here's this opportunity for me to die to myself, folks. You know how I am about asking for money. Oh, Lord, here he's coming for money now. Here he is talking vision. What if it doesn't happen? All those thoughts are already going through my head. You don't have to add to them. All I know is that the Holy Spirit is saying, it's time. It's time. Now is the time. And the Holy Spirit, before December had been dealing with me about setting out a phases. 
steps that logical, reasonable steps that we can take. If we talk about adding on this and this and this and this and this, and it's going to be millions in dollars, and everybody goes, and translated into Spanish will be. So he said, put it into bite-sized pieces. Okay. So in bite-sized pieces, things that we can walk out as a, as a, as a body, we can see it happen as it happens, as the, Lord hap- as the Lord builds it, we start moving forward. My, my mind immediately goes to 15 years from now, and oh, you should see what I see out there. And my wife goes, oh. <laughs> And for the males in the room, no, I'll just And the Lord said, you know, scale it back a little bit. You don't start there. What about this? Start praying about it. While I was in in, uh, Hungary in December, a pastor who had never met me before prophesied. The Holy Spirit said that the, the project needs to begin and you need to put it in stages so that people can run with it. Confirmation. So here's what we're going to do. We need classrooms. We've needed classrooms for a couple of years. And because of my humanness, and maybe timing, I think it has a lot to do with timing. I've not talked about it. I've not shared it. I've, I've wanted to. I've, it's burned inside of me, but I've not, I've not had the guts to do it. And this morning, I'm only going on just obedience, sheer obedience. But we're going to begin. We're going to begin the process to build. We need three classrooms. That's what we need. Right now, we need three classrooms. Right now, on a Wednesday night, my office is being used for a classroom. And that's just fine. I don't mind that. It's not like, oh, my office is being used. But it's not comfortable. How many of you were in Jerry's class for those first two weeks in my office? And how many of you thought, okay, I need a little more space than this? (laughs) I'm a Minnesotan or a Wisconsinite. I need at least eight inches on both sides. That's great. It's awesome that it just, you know, it's exciting to be a part of. But that, we need more room. There's, we've been having, had to be creative with the kids' room for the parenting class. And praise God for that. We'll use everything we use to the highest level always. We won't ever do stuff that's just dumb. Why do we do that? Why? Why won't I do dumb things? Because I've got too many people going, no, you're not going to do dumb things, Okay. Great, that's fine. Let's be wise. Let's go. We need three classrooms. First phase. I've been waiting for this moment for two months. Three months. First phase is this. We don't know what we don't know. It's the best way to say it. We need to get an architect involved. And we need to have him be able to answer all the questions that we need to have answered. How big can we have it? What do we need? Here, We finally know what we need. But we have to get an architect involved to be able to start planning this out. Where can we put it that makes sense? How can we do, is it the right number of setback? People will always will immediately ask us, "Do we have enough setback?" I don't know. We need to get an architect involved. Until we have that, we're at a standstill. So first step, first phase is we have to get an architect involved. I've already talked to an architect. This is what it's going to cost to get him involved. It's not millions of dollars. Don't even think about that anymore. What it is, is $10,000. To get him involved is $10,000. 
To be able to have him come in, do all of the checks on all the laws, talk to all the officials, and actually get permission to build what we need to build, and then make a drawing, a concept drawing, that we can then bring back to us and say, here's what we want to do. Here's what we can do, here's what we want to do, and have the drawings, have the the 3D models, and have all the stuff, $10,000. So, my proposal to you before Brian comes up. Brian's going to come up in just a moment and receive the offering. My proposal to you is this. We need $10,000. Then $10,000 is not, oh, I was going to give some money in the offering any of this week, anyway this week. I'll just divert it to that. Now, here's, here's, here's the human, you know, ugh, angst inside of me. I don't like to tell people what to do. But there's points when a leader says, this is what we're doing. And what I, what I need to share with you is this. This isn't instead of everything we've been doing. This is above and beyond. This is over what we already do. The, the amount of money that we have in it coming in for our general fund right now on average is six to $7,000-ish. We need that to continue to come in for general fund. It keeps the lights on, it keeps... You know, keeps the carpet clean, it's all the, all the stuff. The 10000 needs to come in above and beyond that. I'm only putting that out there because that way you've heard it. I, that's the only way I can say it, is we need to know everything we do from this point on is above and beyond everything we've been doing. And there's more that we need to do. But it's by faith. I won't talk to the architect again until I have that check in my hand. That's when we make the next step. That next step is when that money is in hand, I walk into his office and I say, let's start. Then we have to raise the next amount, whatever that means. But our first goal, our first phase is $10,000. So, by faith we're going to walk this out. And we'll be diligent, we'll be wise, we will, it'll be, but we're going to do it. It's going to happen. Last thing, and then Brian can start making his way up. A number of years ago, and I felt all morning I was supposed to share this testimony. <clears throat> I don't believe I was ever, I've, I've ever shared it before, but I needed to share it this morning. Is eight years ago. Eight years ago I had a series of dreams one night. And there are dreams. I have dreams every night. I had a bunch of dreams last night. I don't remember them at all, and I'm really glad I don't. They were just, you know, I remember waking up going, that is weird. So not every dream I have is from the Lord. But I know eight years ago I had a series of dreams from the Lord. And this, the first dream was this. I was talking to a person. I was talking to an individual. And I even knew who the individual was. That individual is no longer here. But I was, having a, I was talking to this person, and I said, I think I can fly. The person kind of laughed at me, just like you're laughing at me right now. And they said, yeah, okay, whatever. I said, no, I'm telling you, I think I can fly. And then they laughed at me straight out. No, no more niceties, you know, just laughed at me straight out. And they said, yeah, you can't fly. I said, no, I'm, I'm actually pretty sure I can fly. And the person said, stop it. Stop talking like this. You can't fly. I said, ah, I wish I could agree with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I, I'm pretty sure I can fly. 
And the person got mad and says, Stop talking that way. That's foolishness. Whenever have you ever been able to fly? Show me one time when you were able ever to fly. When, was it, when has it ever happened that you could fly? Got mad, stomped out of the room, and left. And immediately I stood up in the room, and I went, and I flew. I lifted off the ground. I made a pass, little little corner, came back and stood back. Nobody else was in the room, but I, I flew and I went, whoa, and woke up. There was just a brief time of going, what in the world was that? I remember all the details. It was like it was vivid color. I mean, I remember it today. The Holy Spirit was all over it. And I went back and I fell back asleep again. But before I tell you the second part of the dream, one week, within one week, I'm sitting across the table, not planning this. I had no plan on, on, on this situation happening of a person sitting across the, seat, the, the, the chair, table from me, and it's the person in the dream. And I said, I believe that God wants us to do this. And the person laughed at me. And I said, no, I, I know God wants us to do this. And the person really laughed at me. Yeah, whatever. And I said, no, I'm, I'm not kidding. I believe God wants us to do this. And the person said, why? Why would God's never done anything like that here before? We've never seen it before. We don't have any indication that that's going to happen. Why would you think you could do that? And I said, because God said so. The person got mad at me, said, "Stop talking this way. Stop believing me. You can't. You've never experienced that before. Quit telling. Don't tell people that. They're going to think you're crazy." Slammed the table and walked out of the room and left the church. I sat there. First I was like, oh my gosh, just the, the, the sheer shock of it happening. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, remember? Whew. And the first thing I said was, I can fly. We're going to fly. The second half of the dream is this. I can't tell you all the details. I'm not, I don't have... You'll, you'll hear it at some point, but I can't tell you all the details. The second half of the details is, we began to fly. Things started happening here. The very things I've been talking about began to happen. And as they began to happen, somebody came and offered me a job at this big, huge, successful church. And I knew the answer is no. They offered it to me again. I said no. They offered it to me a third time, and I said absolutely not. I know where I'm supposed to be. And when I said that, the person got mad and walked out. And at that moment, everything broke loose. Everything. It started happening on, a, on an exponential rate. It's happening right now. We're seeing that very thing. We can fly, folks. And it's not because we're special. It's because he's special. It's because he's supernatural. And we just get to be a part of it. Brian.
Good morning. Long, long ago when I was here last. Does anybody remember that? Yes. All right. That was back in Thanksgiving. Um, so back then, and I'm going to do my best to tie this into what John just finished with. Um, back then, I had, I had talked about, I believe God wants me to revisit the foundational principles behind giving tithes and offerings. And that before I was supposed to do that, I was supposed to cover three ground rules. And I talked about the first ground rule last time. And that first ground rule was um, seeking God. Because when, when I knew that he wanted me to revisit the basic foundational principles behind tithes and offerings, I started to do some research. And I started to do some research online and found all kinds of differing opinions from different people. And so the first ground rule is we need to seek God in his truth, in his opinion, and not man's opinion, because there's all kinds of different opinions that that men have out there. So today, I want to talk about ground rule number two. And ground rule number two really gets at how we can know God's opinion. How we can know his truth. Okay? So, a couple scriptures here. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9 through about 10. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. Now, if we stop there, (laughs) it would be a little hopeless. But thank God we can continue with, But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And here's where it gets cool. And we have received God's spirit. Not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. I think I need to read that again. And we have received God's Spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So who does God want us to be taught by? By the Holy Spirit. He wants to teach us by His Spirit. So as I was seeking, as I was seeking God about why are there so many different opinions on, well, the Word in general, but specifically tithes and offerings, and I believe, I believe this is what he, what he told me. These people are trying to interpret my word with their minds and not allowing me to teach them through their spirits by my Holy Spirit. The vast majority of the body of Christ is not spirit-led. And unfortunately, I think we all realize that, right? 
And I, I believe, I believe that if every member of the body of Christ was led by the Holy Spirit, we would be one body. We wouldn't be split off into however many different denominations and belief systems and whatever are out there. We would be one single unified body. Jesus said, he was the one that said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. He does not want us to be split up like this. So, ground rule number two. Know God and his will. Know God who is spirit by, by allowing him to teach us and lead us by his spirit. Okay, do we have time for me to get practical with that? How do we do this? Do we have time? Okay. So, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. John 14.27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay? We're supposed to live and be led by peace. Okay. Quick story. Do I have time for a story? All right. Practical example, well, it's really a practical example of what not to do, but um, when I was in college, I transferred from Gustavus to the University of Minnesota midway through my junior year. And when I was at Gustavus my sophomore year, I roomed with this guy who was probably the biggest partier and biggest womanizer I had ever met in my life. And then he didn't, he, he quit and he didn't go to Gustavus for the junior year. He, he just quit going to school. And then when I decided to transfer, we hooked up again, and we roomed, when, roomed together when I was going to view. And then all of a sudden, he is the craziest Jesus freak I've ever known in my life. It's like, what in the world happened to you? You wacko. So he started to talk to me, and not to make this too long, um, I recommitted my life to God. Hey, I'd been born again in ninth grade at an Amy Grant concert. Sorry, I, I hate to admit that, but it's the truth. It's the truth. And so I decided, I mean, I, I knew God was talking to me again. And I was really searching for God at the time. I wanted to know what am I supposed to do, where am I going. And my, my, the transfer from Gustavus to the university was miraculous. So I just kind of knew something was up and I'm being led to do something. So... I, I recommit my life to him. He invites me to some Holy Ghost meetings that are going on at his church. <laughs> so I go there, and those bunch of freaks, they believed in crazy stuff like the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in other tongues. They were laying hands on people for healing. They were, laying, they were casting demons out of people. And I'm thinking, what are demons doing in church? What's going on here? They were raising their hands and shouting during worship. They were weeping under in the presence of God. And where I was raised, there's no crying in church. It doesn't happen. I mean, any respectable, dignified, civil, humble, Lutheran 
knows you don't behave that way. Right? Can I get an amen from my fellow? Well, I guess Lutherans wouldn't say amen. Can I get a dignified nod? <laughs> from my fellow former Lutherans. Am I, am I far off base? I don't, I don't, yeah, see? We did not express emotion in our services. So they're doing all this crazy stuff. And I go the first night of this Holy Ghost meeting, and my, my buddy asked me the next day, so are you going to come back tonight? Um, thanks, but no, 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 thanks. And I ran. I mean, I ran the other direction, and I found another, another church um, on campus, and it's more comfortable. They didn't believe in the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Ghost and all this other crazy stuff. And let's call them the, the safe church and the scary church, okay? So after a while, I mean, I'm honestly, earnestly seeking God. I want to know him. I want to know what's going on. I want to know his word. So after a while, I start thinking about the scary people and what they're doing in church. And I'm thinking, what if that's real? What if that stuff is real and it's supposed to be what we're supposed to do? So then I proceeded to kind of go back and forth between the two. And I would go to, go to the safe church, and I'd ask them. Obviously, you guys, I know you guys don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Why not? And I just remember, and I can remember vividly, we were sitting in a cafe in Dinkytown, and they're trying to explain to me through the word why the baptism of the Holy Spirit is gone, that was for the early church, all this stuff. And I can remember, and again, I, I don't know why, I can just vividly remember it still. I, I remember feeling a sense of, eh, it doesn't seem right. I, it doesn't sit well. That's not really comfortable. I, 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 don't under, I didn't really understand what was going on, but in hindsight I realized that was God withdrawing the Holy Spirit from what they were telling me. I didn't have any peace about it. I didn't, he was withdrawing his peace from what they were telling me. And then I would go to the scary people and ask them, why, why do you believe this? Where is it in the Word? And they would go through the Word, and I can remember inside of me thinking, wow, there's something going on here. I feel something. And, and it was almost to the point where I felt like I was being drawn to it, drawn to them and what they were saying. So, to, and to, to not make this too crazy long, I ended up getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they baptized me in water in the Mississippi River. It must have been early, 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 early May. It was freezing cold. It must have been ice on the water still. And I actually let them dunk my head in the water. In, in the Mississippi River, downstream of the Twin Cities. Nasty stuff. <sighs> so, my, my point is this. God wants to teach us. All right? And how he does this is he leads us by his, he leads us by peace. We're supposed to follow after peace. If we're earnestly, honestly seeking him, seeking his will, seeking him, his truth, he will lead us. He will confirm what he wants us to do by the peace that he puts in our heart. 
So whether it's, you know, while I'm going through um, the, the foundational principles of give, giving tithes and offerings, what, whatever the topic, topic is, well, oh, here, let me, let me take a step back. What, what really the point that I wanted to make is when I um, finished that school year, I left to go to Detroit for an intern, internship. And at that time, I realized, I need to make a decision. Is this really for me or not? And even though I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I decided, no, that wasn't, that wasn't real. And what I did, I'm an, I was an engineering student, so I had to be logical. It didn't make sense to me. And it didn't feel, it wasn't comfortable to me. So instead of following what I knew God was leading me to do in the Spirit, by you know, following after the peace, I decided, nope, switch gears, i got to follow what's in my head. And I rejected it for five years. And that was, that was the mistake. That was the mistake, because I knew after that, when I went to a different church five years later, um, and they taught that you're supposed to be led by peace. So, coming back. We need to be led by peace. Whenever we're going through the Word, whenever there's something that's challenging to us that we don't understand, we need to look inwards. We need to look inwards and recognize that God will lead us to what we're supposed to do by the peace that's in our hearts. And whether it's some amount that we're supposed to give to the project, we need to follow after peace. We need to seek him. We need to seek him for what we are supposed to do. It might be, it's probably going to be uncomfortable to us. But we need to follow the peace that's in our hearts. Amen? So ground rule number two. Know God and his will. Follow peace. Amen. Let's pray. Do I need to tell you, do I need to have ushers do something right now? or? Oh, all right. So I can pray? Okay. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, for your truth, for your Holy Spirit, which is residing inside of us if we've accepted you into our life. We thank you that you love us, you want to direct us, you want to teach us, you want to lead us, and you do. So we choose to discipline ourselves. We, we choose to die to ourselves, as Pastor John was talking about. We choose to die to ourselves and follow you, even when it's uncomfortable. Father God, I ask you to receive these gifts, receive these tithes and offerings, and multiply them. In Jesus' name. Amen.